Aloha, Velina Meke Aloha. I'm Joshua Cooper, and welcome to Aloha Sustainability in Peace in our Pacific UN SDG Movement in Moana Nui Akea. Today, we'll be looking at quality education for a sustainable future, knowledge exchange to empower our kiki. Aloha, it's an honor to welcome two amazing wahine who are dedicated to education and have lived a life that then provides a path for future generations. As I said, we're looking at quality education for a sustainable future, knowledge exchange to empower our keiki. And today, we're very fortunate to have two knowledge gurus to be able to share what's good and what we can do together. Uh, today, we'll be looking first and foremost at the UN SDG number four. UN SDG number four is important because it ensures inclusive and equitable equality education and Global Goal 4 promotes lifelong learning opportunities for all with an eye toward our common future. Quality education liberates the intellect and unlocks the imagination while ensuring the fundamental of human self-respect. I would like to welcome our first guest to share with us both of these amazing knowledge providers began in the same first class of immersion on Maui and became ambassadors from our islands to the international arena. What was so valuable about that new model of education and why is it crucial going forward? Aloha nui kako, ole ahi haokea, he iewikiki no hamakualo Maui, ke aloha ka aina ya Hello, it's so nice to be with you all, to be with my dear sister, friend Kani Ao, um, and to be with you here too, Josh. Uh, I think, you know, one of the geniuses of being able to um, learn via Hawaiian medium education is um, language shapes our lives. Uh, and so when you start that young, when you have the privilege of starting so young in Hawaiian language education, you your first verbs um, are often verbs about how to love your space, how to love Aina in Hawaii. And so we get this one growing up um, through Hawaiian language education of how to reciprocate and how to be in relationship with the land and this environment and you know you're so neuro your your brain is so malleable as a child that you know anything as long as the teachers point out to you oh the akua the natural phenomena there this is lono and then that's you know kane then you just your your mind is so malleable at that point you're like of course it is of course it is. So from that very young age, you get the opportunity to develop a certain level of intimacy with your space. And that intimacy grows as you get older. Um, and it's a never ending opportunity to learn from your space. The island is always, you know, we're lucky enough to have Pele here in Hawaii. That island um, creation is continues to happen in Hawaii. So we know that our landscape continues to change. And so that means we too continue to have the opportunity to change with our environment. Um, and that in itself is the opportunity to continue to change in ourselves. And that means learning. And so I'm here with one of my favorite fellow learners um, of the environment. I, I wouldn't call myself um, a, a teaching guru or anything, but just uh, somebody who continues to learn um, about how the natural phenomena um, evolve in space and present themselves in space. And then um, that opportunity to reflect more and more the Hawaii environment in myself. Um, and that liberation in that way um, is that capacity for intimacy in space. 
And so, you know, you don't know that as a kid, but as you get older, um, that level of intimacy that you're able to cultivate with your space um, gets deeper and deeper. Uh, and that, I think, is one of the examples that we have from Kupuna of the past of how intimate your life can be with space um, and that you can you can experience and invite in that level of uh, attunement and exchange with your space as you get older. So I didn't know that as a kid, but um, you learn those initial for how to aloha, how to exchange with your place, and then you continue to deepen and deepen and deepen um, aloha, that verb, um, as you continue to live in this space. So that's, I think, one of the wonderful opportunities of Hawaiian medium education. I think you're an amazing educator because you're teaching us all right now about intimacy with our islands and intimacy on the inner level as well, as we always continue to grow the same way that our islands do. Handing it over to our dear colleague, would you like to share a bit about what it was like to be the first class of immersion and then continue on as you, you do now? Hey, aloha nui kako, o kani'au, he keiki papa no Maui. Uh, I'm here at UH Maui College and now, um, as an adult and as an educator in higher education, I never knew how impactful my upbringing and that type of education was going to be. Um, just like what Leahi was saying, you, you're able to decode your world in a whole different level than just a native speaker of English. Our places here are in Olelo, Hawaii. Our culture is based in Olelo, Hawaii. So I have a funny story, you know, just being able to connect to the words and um, the places that we call home connect us to our environment and our aina. Um, I also explain in my classes about knowing and using the traditional names of these places help us identify what the environment, what the land was like in traditional times. Maybe we don't experience it in the same way anymore, but by having and perpetuating those names, those Inua Hawaii, those, those um, traditional Inua Kupuna, um, we have a broader understanding of what the land looked like or what the environment looked like back in traditional times when they were giving them these names. But looking at this idea of sustainability, right? So Aina, and being sustainable was, it's it's a what those key words now, but it was how our ancestors lived their day to day life, right? So their connection with the land, understanding that aina is the place where you get food, and as a finite resource, we only have this little piece of land that we needed to appreciate, to love, to take care of, not just the land itself, but everything in the environment, the water the plants and the animals. So as a young child, not knowing um, that you're actually learning these types of appreciations and these types of connections, just by knowing the words for these actions like aloha. So um, this too, aloha in, in Hawaiian isn't just love, it's compassion, it's sympathy, it's, you know, hello and goodbye is the one that most people use, but it's so much more. So when you aloha aina, um, when you love your land, um, you have a deep understanding and a deep connection to the land and to the environment that I don't feel we would have gotten in any other type of education. So Hawaiian medium education really helped us become who we are as adults, and for me specifically as an educator. No, I mean, you both really illuminate what's so important about the immersion language experience and how it then is, shows the limitless opportunities, whereas so many people were saying, 
oh, if you learn one and then the other, and it's all these challenges, the truth is you both embody the emancipation of the human spirit when you're able to be able to focus on education and really root yourself in the community and decide what you desire in this world and to make it all possible. Maybe you could share a bit some of the current ways you contribute to quality education today and some of the aspects of what you share with your students. Yeah, so uh, currently I am a professor at the University of Hawaii Maui College, and I teach Hawaiian language and Hawaiian studies specifically. So when I teach um, in my class, I have a couple of different topics that I, I currently I'm teaching, like Hawaiian mythology. So that class is one of my favorite classes because you get to look at traditional stories and traditional uh, perspectives to understand our world today, right? So bringing that information from the past to inform how we live our lives today, learning from the lessons that was left to us in these stories from our kupuna in order to make a better future. Um, I also look teaching language, which is also my another one of my favorite classes, um, to seeing people, because I say this all the time, is if you're here in Hawaii for an hour or your whole life, everybody uses Olala Hawaii to a certain degree, whether it's directions, place names, or as communication. Um, it's our responsibility as people who inhabit this place to have an understanding of and our impact on the land and the space that we're calling home. So by understanding Olala Hawaii and understanding the culture, we understand that we as humans have a responsibility, not just to um, the culture and the language, but to this place that you're choosing to visit or choosing to call home. That is wonderful. And then it allows us to look as well and share some of the other experiences. It is place-based knowledge. And as you also point out, it's really getting to understand that the classroom is the island. It is our whole world. And to make sure that everyone is able to explore the potential for seeing themselves in the land, but also exploring what they want to become. Passing it on to Leahi, maybe you can share as well. Yeah, you know, there's been this like, um, awesome rise in the importance of diversity, equity, inclusion. And I think one of the things that Hawaii has always done so beautifully is um, remember the importance of belonging to place. And so, you know, transitions from diversity, equity, inclusion to, okay, but, but in that, how are you cultivating belonging to your place, knowing that Aina can never really belong to us, but that in that tending of relationship, we can belong to it. So just like Kani Al pointed out, like Vahipana hold a clue into like how that place um, once was experienced and the pulsing of that place, right? And so how do you attune to that certain particular pulsing? How do you attune to the seasonality in place? So do you know when the certain, you know, the, when the wheelie wheelie is flowering and what does that mean in the ocean? Is it still when the shark bites? Is that not the case? And so the more that you can stay attuned to the frequencies, right? Or the natural evolution in your place, then the more and more you, you can predict what's gonna happen. And then everybody's like, what? And it's like, no, if you just, the more you belong to your place, the more you can be a part of the cyclical evolution of place. Um, and that is when I think the most curious and wonderful thing happens, right? So there's that concept of Aina, which is beautiful, just like Pani Al shared, like that which feeds, how we get that. But, but it's also that idea, I, uh, union, 
right? So what are all those pathway points um, that allow us to experience some kind of union with the space? So whether it's in the food you eat, right? And knowing the value because you know, we're on islands in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, how important food is, right? That um, we would recognize the concept of food as to be consumed, to consume something, but to union with something. That the hierarchy of that relationship made it so that food was so important um, that, that that's the concept that would be the basis of that word, one of the concepts that, that would be the basis of that word of Aina. And then you look at, and I'm... Um, really grateful to learn from someone when I was looking, preparing for this conversation, I was like, okay, what are the different words for education? Um, and we know a'o, a'o akua omai to teach out and to learn, um, ho'opa'ana'o to make it um, firm in your guts, right? In the in the Hawaiian worldview, the, the gut brain, right? To make it really firm in there. And then another one is kuhi kuhi. And the interesting thing about the word kuhi kuhi is it's uh, one idea is to point, show or direct, right? To demonstrate something, but the other aspect of that word is it's something sweet and tasty, um, rich with fatness, right? So you're thinking about what are what are these things, right? When you're kuhi kuhi, a form of education, when you're demonstrating something, how can you make it sweet and tasty? Um, and so that I think is another wonderful concept when we think about sustainability and education um, is how do we have those anchors, right? To stray too far from um, the power in Olalo Hawaii to know the definitions of some of those words, but then to also deliver the information in a way um, that people want to pick it up. That when we leave it for the next generation, they'll have something sweet and fat and, and tasty to bite into when they come to this concept of maintaining relationship to place. Um, so that that is one concept that I love that comes from Hawaii is this idea that you just got to be hungry for it. Oh, you're making me so hungry right now. That, it's that's delicious. that's um, the thing. Just... Exactly. It's the one thing of being hungry for knowledge. And I think that's something that we all share. But if we're able to transmit that to the students and future generations, then that's truly how you measure success. Because as we all know, quality education does liberate the intellect and it unlocks the imagination. And both of you are embodiments of what is possible with quality education. Another aspect of global goal four was offering free education and equal access while also eliminating all discrimination in education and ensuring universal literacy. And historically, it reminds me, today is Mother Language Day. It's also a time to reflect on the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, Article 13, right to language. And that's just the beginning of everything. And of course, Hawaii, of course, at the turn of the century, even while dealing with all of the challenges of colonization, had the highest literacy in the world. And we can see now through these new programs, though, how we can see it really aims to obliterate a lot of the obstacles that have been set up by colonial constructs, but that you're able to then shatter those, especially the silos of the Western academia, to show how everything is interconnected and everyone can better understand what's possible when they pursue their passions. Going on our final aspect, looking at the future of education, what more can we concentrate on to continually improve education and make that knowledge even more succulent and onolicious? Oh, you know, Kanye always gonna have an awesome answer for this, but I'll drop in quickly and give her most of the remaining time. Um, you know, I think we are so lucky to have grown up, grown up in a time where Hawaiian language um, education was available from preschool. Um, and now into a space where Kaniao is a professor in Hawaiian studies, right, in Hawaiian language, which is amazing. 
And um, I think that one aspect that's really interesting to me right now is that um, in futures thinking, right, in playing into that idea of imagination, imagination and uh, what's coming next that now folks are reconnecting and recultivating that relationship with what it means to dream even that that space is a space where we can learn um, and we can access old information from the kupuna that nothing is in that idea that nothing is really lost that it just you know assumes another form that it's just waiting on the next grandchild to have the dream and that whatever went into a deep sleep in the past, um, that it's still available. And it just depends on us in this present time to cultivate those relationships with different forms of education, whether it's learning beautiful opportunities to learn in college spaces where we now have Hawaiian, you know, Hawaiian folks teaching Hawaiian concepts, which is amazing, right? And that we also have that opportunity to cultivate um, um, connection to the past through dreams, through chant, through imagination, um, and that you have people with such expertise of language that they're playing with language in a beautiful way that the ancestors did. And so you have Kaka Olelo um, accompanying the graduation of Kapaolono Puha, this um, cohort of Hawaiian healers, right? And so you have these people dancing beautifully through poetry. And then it adds back in that idea of play and art and imagination. So it's not just the drudgery of words, but it's like the beautiful intellect of, of Hawaiian language that people can nurture and cultivate. But then also that um, everybody has their access point and it just depends on um, them, you know, tuning into that particular frequency and remembering that it's even though it may seem lost, it's still a part of them somewhere. And it's just waiting on the next generation to dream up. Oh, and we really appreciate your holistic perspective, but I really think you bring up such a good point on that frequency and connecting to the land and understanding what's possible and then handing it over to our colleague then for some final words, but we still have a lot of time that we could continue this conversation on quality education. Yeah, so growing up with um, Hawaiian language as our language, the privilege that we had to be raised in Olalo Hawaii, the opportunity that many other people our age or in the past haven't had um, the connection to Olala Hawaii really helped us to better our future, to look at our future and wanting this for our people, right? Our ancestors didn't necessarily may have lost it for a little bit of time, but now that we're, again, higher education and a, a, and a level of fluency that they were at, in, you know, when Hawaiian language was just the talk of the town. Um, so being able to access that information now in different levels, like we have the idea of kauna, right? We have our information in our newspapers at surface level, but we also can dig through it with it. this amount of literacy and understanding that we have in Olalo Hawaii. We can make those connections um, with our past history and make it contemporary. You know, look what like what Lahi was saying, um, what we're doing today is going to impact the future. And what we dig up from the past to make it relevant now is the same thing that they're going to do with what we're doing in education today. right? So taking what is relevant now and making it relevant for them in the future. So when we look at education and looking at this um, sustainable future, right? equality of education for all of uh, not just 
how we had the opportunity, but we also that privilege of learning our indigenous language at that time in our life. We we're born at the right time to the right parents, you know, and that's what made that's who made us who we are today. And we have access to the language, more access now, but it's not as um, much as we wanted it. We want it to be. It could be way more accessible to our indigenous language than um, than it is. Now, and from womb mates that you were all the way to the world, it's amazing to see the ripple effect that you both have had. And you really bring up a good point. It is lifelong learning and at different points. And when we look at goal four, it also says that global goal four aims to guarantee education for sustainable development and for all to be citizens of the world, promoting human rights and caring for our planet. And the best part is you really have been able to make the aspect of it's not only career, but it's also the ability to make positive social change and to be able to contribute and give back. And I think that's what's so important as we look at what is possible. And I know even today, uh, I'll be leaving here and going to an amazing course. There's a Alala Hawaii class with the Kela and the mayor's offering that during this UN decade of indigenous language. So we're all learning. Uh, it's, it's a never ending process. Even when you think you gained a certain insight. You could read the same book and even have new marks because you had a different space with what you've experienced in life. And so it's so exciting to hear both of you share. I know you're headed toward pursuing your second doctorate. So you're actually living lifelong learning, not just content, because I think we all need to know that knowledge is something that is shared, that we all cultivate and come to together. It's not that Western thing where you're blocking and having quizzes and finals. It's about sharing knowledge and collaborating. And as Leahi was sharing, it's then having so many different forms. It's not just writing. It's so many ways that we can share knowledge and transfer that. And maybe you can share a bit on that in our final moments. Yeah, I think it's really important to be a lifelong learner. So taking um, what we've learned and pursuing, not just in, again, formal settings, but just the knowledge that our kupuna had left for us taking that as examples for the future and being able to um, learn for the rest of our lives because there's so much information out there that our ancestors left us, that our indigenous knowledge that we are inherited, that it, we comes with us, and also that when we research and we put in the effort to look for, um, it reveals itself to us, right? Our kupuna reveals that information and they say, okay, so here's some information that may have been lost, like what Le'ahi was saying, and bringing it into contemporary time. So always finding the opportunities to learn, whether it be through, you know, formal studying and research or in exploring your dreams, exploring your stories, exploring your histories. Um, that can also be a form of lifelong learning. And that's what I fully love to do. And that's why I feel like I'm never, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. So I'm going to be learning for the rest of my life. So true. I know as a professor, every class that we're able to start, I'm always excited because you get to teach. So you read, read the books, but also everything's evolving. The headlines are different. Things are happening. So you actually try to weave in what's going on with what was historical. But then that other aspect that you're sharing as well, when you actually get to read all the papers, when you get to have the discussions every day, it's such a rich experience because if you're doing well in what we're supposed to be doing, there's not an element of fear, but there's that element of exuberance, of excitement to come to class every day, 
to be able to make sense of what's going on in the world. And as you said, it really is such a privilege to be able to have the time in the day to try to make sense of what's going on in the world and have a historical perspective of seeing how it relates to what has happened in the past, but moving us forward to seeing what we can create. And Leah, maybe you can share a bit about that as well. Oh, yeah. You know, um, what I've come to learn um, from my teacher is that, um, you know, Hawaii is 1% physical and 99% non-physical. And so um, the ability to rest in that knowing that you're just not going to know all of it. You're not. And so the chance they point us to um, opportunities for relationship with that physical and that non-physical and Hawaii, one way to understand the name Hawaii, right, is ha, um, breath, vai, to be like water or to be like spirit and e supreme. So what is that supreme permeability you're able to invite in your own um, relationship with your natural environment and knowing that kapu aloha is the ethic of um, what it means to live in Hawaii by default of living in Hawaii you are reciprocating with the environment. And um, anytime you are able to make that connection between um, what's happening in the natural environment and in yourself, there's a certain truth there, right? That you can that you can prove it in the environment, then it's likely to be happening, at least from a Hawaii worldview, it's likely to be happening in your own body. Um, and so we have these chants, um, the hulihia and kulia chants, and the hulihia chants are just about change, right? And that change is going to be um, just a truth. And then the Kulia chants are a form of restoration that follows upon the Hulihia chants. And it's pointing to your opportunity to participate in that restoration, that in that great change that continually happens, capital change, right? Duration. And there are these three lines that, um, and most of, a lot of the Kulia chants that are really, really interesting um, because they don't, hook you into a particular place in Hawaii, but they're Hawaii chants, right? So they're kind of, they can be universal in their application. And it's, um, um, it ends with Naki Aloha Ekono. So love is that invitation. Um, and that the only thing, to me, it points to one of the only things that can anchor you in the great change of life, in the great suffering of the human experience is great love. Um, and great love sustains the human experience. So I know our parents, um, when they established, when they sought to establish Punanaleo Omaui and Kulakayapuni Omaui, that they had no idea what would happen. But in that great faith of showing up with community in love, in aloha, in reciprocation, um, that they had faith that things would turn out okay. Right? And so that, I think... Um, is a beautiful reminder about what's ha what's possible when you live on a small island community, that if you show up in community and can show up in reciprocation with each other and with your environment, uh, that the kupuna and that 99% that's non-physical will show up to support the path. Um, and I know that because of my friend here. Um, I know that they showed up and that one of the reasons why I am here is because of her. Um, and that that is just a mystery that I will always be grateful for, that we were born in the same year and that we got to go through this experience together. Um, and so I'm, I'm deeply grateful for the aloha that I have with her, partly because our parents modeled to us what it looked like to show up together um, for Hawaii and for Hawaiian language. And I think really you both embody that and it's 
it's definitely a love fest and I'm doing my best not to uh, just flow with emotion, but uh, it's, it's beautiful. And that's what knowledge should be. It should be about love is at the core of knowledge. And what's exciting as well with really Hawaiian immersion is also the continuity and the relationality with Hawaii. And that's part of, it's the essence of the knowledge. It's not separate from. And so when we look at global goal four, the only way it could have been done in its best form is exactly the way both of you have evolved and continue to give back to Maui and the world. And so really at its heart, SCG4 provides the basis for a better life through learning, benefiting every human being. And you both show how we all benefit when we all help one another. And it also opens a world of opportunity, allowing for each of us to contribute to progressive and proactive healthy society. So mahalo for all that you do for quality education by really living it and modeling it. And that's more important than anything people say or talk about. It's what they do on a daily basis. And we thank you for dreaming, but more importantly for doing and really creating and actualizing SDG4 in the most beautiful way. Mahalo. Thank you so much for watching Think Tech Hawaii. If you like what we do, please like us and click the subscribe button on YouTube and the follow button on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and donate to us at thinktechhawaii.com. Mahalo.